welcome to this week's Red Robin podcast weekly, which is powered by Budget Tires, Auto Sensor, and 360 Chartered Accountants. This week, the Robins go in search of their fourth victory in five games when they're taking on resurgently Drano's side at Craven Park on Friday and what promises to be a tense and tight affair. Key players are returning from injury, and despite the absence of a whole host of first team regulars, Danny Maguire has somehow kept the Robins within reach of the playoffs. Joining us to help preview our game against Leeds is Eddie from the Lock Pod podcast with James Perlin and Graham Turner making up this week's fan panel. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, James, I'll start with you. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Graham, uh, should we let people into a little secret? Uh, I think we've just done a little few minute rehearsal, haven't we? Uh, we thought we was live and we wasn't. Uh, but uh, like all, uh, no. That's like that's your business. Yeah, that's your business. Um, but before we go into the to the Toulouse game and that important victory for Robbins, just before we've come on to do the podcast, uh Scotty Morell has announced his retirement from the game. He'll be finishing uh this season when his his season at Keefley is up. Uh James, um a player who's fondly remembered by lots of Robin supporters. He came to us in 2006 from Leeds. Um, you know. A legend for many reasons, not least the uh, the way he took the club to his heart and his all-hearted performances uh, when out on the pitch. And he's someone who sort of oozes red and white, really, which is strange when he's had a, a number of clubs and he's been at a number of places and he's had a, a long career in the game. But um, great to see him having such a long career, James, and, and what a fantastic career he had at Old Kingston Rovers. Yeah, he did. And I think, you know, he was obviously he's part of the um the promotion winning team. He got us the he scored our first try in Super League, you know, so he was always gonna have that place in the in the club's history. And yeah, I think, you know, we speak about legends of the club and I think you know sometimes overused, but I think with Scott Morell it, it's well it's well deserved. I think, you know, he, he always, you know, whatever club he's been at, I think he's obviously given hundred percent, he's always been a fan's favourite. I think just the way he went about playing, you know, he sort of never gave up. Oh, you know, always gave hundred percent, and you know, that's all us, us as fans. That's all we really want, really. And yeah, yeah. he's a yeah, great player. Yeah, and great. Before I come to you, Stuart Wilson has just commented fondly remembered for that big hit yeah. against Fitzgibbon uh, in his all-time favourite game. Of course, uh, the stuff of legends that hit, isn't it? Uh, but that probably typified the way he played the game, didn't he? He never took a backward step, and he was always on the front foot. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And I think probably punching above his weight as well when it comes to Fitzgibbon as well, uh, in terms of stature within the game, physically as well. He was uh, not the biggest player, but certainly uh, the heart of a lion to go with it. And I, I think um, every game that we saw him, and as James alluded to there, that he gave 100% win, lose or draw. And that that was also typified, I think, as we saw him grow as a player from those, you know, those early days of joining as a, as a relatively young player. And then growing up with the promotion, the Morgan era, etc., really blossoming into a, a mainstay of the team within that period. I think you know for for sort of six seasons that he was with us. Uh, you're right; he, he absolutely typified everything I think that we believe a player should be. Really hard working, fought for the club, fought for the badge, etc., and left left everything out on you know on the pitch. And I think he's continued to do that wherever he's gone. But on the same token, he's also done it with a smile on his face and he looks like he genuinely enjoys playing rugby. Otherwise, he wouldn't have stuck around for the best part of 20 seasons, I guess, playing the game. And, you know, it's a, it's a brutal sport. So he must have done it for, for the love of the game to, to do it for so long. Yeah. 
and uh, we was fortunate enough to speak to him on uh, one of our heritage casts. You can still catch it; it's on uh, on podcast available. Um, tune into it because it's it's a good listen. And, and Scott Morell, he just um, you know, James, he says he just loves the club. Um, he, he came over here; the fans took to him straight away. He took to to the fans, and um, he counts himself as a, an adopted East Huller. Um, hopefully, now he's retired or he's going to be retiring at the end of the season, we might see him back over because he said he's desperate to come over and watch a few games and just stand in the East stand and be a supporter because that is what he's become. And I suppose it's testament to the supporters at the club, isn't it? How we take some of these players to our hearts and how we bring them into the fold. And, you know, the fact he speaks so highly of the club and the supporters, it is testament to, to what we can do as a, as a group of supporters. Yeah, and I think, you know, as I said, I think he's helped, helped, really helped galvanise the supporters and the sort of club playing, getting, getting together. And, he did all his talking on the pitch, and as I said, you know, if that's all we can ask for. I think, you know, if we had, if we had a team of Scotty Morels, you know, playing for us, you know, we wouldn't go too far wrong, really. I don't think. I don't you think we're the quickest, though, would we, James? No, there is that. Yeah. I was going to say that was always something that got levelled at him, wasn't it? His, his, his speed, but do you know, yeah. what? I think he was a bit deceiving. Yeah. Um, a little bit like Jordan Abdul is now because I think he had a bit. Of, did he have? He had a bit of turn of pace, and um, but you know he was an absolute um, magician yeah. with the ball in hand at times, wasn't he? And, and like we yeah. said, he was you know so powerful and strong for someone who uh, might not look it. But yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be great. Hopefully, to see him back at Craven Park one day. And uh, if he's listening or he's watching, Scotty have a have a fantastic retirement, um, and we'll hopefully catch up with you very soon. Um, Rovers. Went going to the Leeds game this Friday on the back of a victory against Toulouse. Um, before we talk about the game, James, and we talk about um, who played and who scored, etc. What was your your expectations before the game? Was there a bit of trepidation because um, Toulouse obviously fighting for the lives, fighting to to stay in Super League. Um, many people, many outsiders, and probably many Robin supporters maybe had this marked down as a, an away win. Yeah, I must admit, I went to a certain amount of trepidation, having uh, never actually seen Rovers beat Toulouse. So, I was, uh, uh, so this was my uh, sixth game watching them. Um, but yeah, it was because, as you said, the, yeah, the fighting for the lives. I think they'd lost the previous previous two games, which I think you know people were expecting them to probably win because they were at home in in that in that heat. Um, so, and I think they'd had a bit of a, a rollick from uh, Sylvain Hulez about discipline and things and so sort of essentially I think you know sort of gifting a, a few points uh, in the previous game so yeah very much very very a great deal of trepidation coming into that game I think yeah Graham um five changes from the side that lost to Wigan um obviously you know the the last couple of games before that we've been doing extremely tough with injuries uh the five changes Sean Kedal Corbin Sims Jimmy Kynos Frankie Holton and Matty Stoughton all came in to replace Will Dagger, Lachlan Coote, Conor Moore, uh, Charlie Kavanagh and Sam Royal, who has now departed and gone back to St Helens. Um, I appreciate James's trepidation, but when you see them players coming back into the team, you start to maybe feel a bit more confident um, because there was certainly a big miss against Wigan. Yeah, there were. And I think you, you, the, the five you reeled off there, Chris, who came back in, I think you could look at all of those and say they made a positive impact on the game and showed up as well. So it wasn't a case of easing them back in. They, they came in and they they played like we, we expect them to play. 
but it made a you know a, a real positive. And I think the real standout for me was was SKD and, and him coming back in and his his performance over the eighty minutes. It, it sort of typified him and the way he's performed for us. But I think at periods throughout the game, it was on the back of his um, his work that other people lifted their game, especially when we were down three scores to one. You know, with with fifty minutes on the clock, you you, you almost feared the worst for that. But but certain things within the game that, that he did and was the architect of um, were really powerful motivators, I thought, for the, for the rest of the team to pull the socks up. Yeah, and it took Rovers 12 minutes to get on the scoreline. Uh, Elliot Minchella crashing over from a, a short pass from Frankie Holton. Fantastic line from Minchella. Just before that, we'd seen uh, Kenny Dowell have a try disallowed. Um, saw George King, Jez Litton sort of break the Toulouse line. But... Um, Bit of a relief, I suppose, James, for, for Rovers to get them first points on the board. And obviously, um, Roy Milne's following up with a conversion because uh, we started to see glimpses of what Toulouse might do. Um, and it didn't seem to be classic Rovers at that stage, did it? No, I think that's right. I think it did sort of settle a few nerves. Um, and I, I thought it was actually, in a way, it was, you know, it was quite a very well-worked try as well. I thought, you know, Will Tate did really well in the build-up as well to sort of um, get away from a few tackles, get it onto Halton. And then Minchella just running that, you know, fantastic line, just going through unopposed. He just made it look so easy. And yeah, it, it, was, a good, it was a good start. And it's the start we needed, I think. You know, we've said it often, often enough times on this podcast that it's important for us to start quickly and start well rather than going behind. But and so I think you know we had the we got the start we wanted really. Yeah, and then we saw two more disallowed tries. Um first one was uh Will Tate. He took a ball from Sean Kenny Dowell. We then see uh I think Minchella again, but sandwiched in between that on the 22nd minute was a try for Toulouse. Um at that stage, you know. Toulouse had done well, uh, but it took them a while to get out of their half. Um, but when the scores sort of uh, Toulouse going for that try, you're starting to think, here we go. Because and noticeably as well, the crowd were pretty flat at that stage. Um, and it seemed to be uh, a bit of an arm wrestle of a game. And obviously, you know, like we've already said that, if Rovers don't get a few points in front, we seem to struggle. Um, and Graham Toulouse scoring definitely didn't help people's nerves. No, it didn't. And I think if if we weren't aware as, as a group of fans anyway, we, we should understand what Toulouse can do. They've done it to us already not, not many weeks ago. And a player like Matty Russell, he knows where the line is experienced enough and you give him some opportunity, he will score. And he showed that on the first try that that he that, that Toulouse scored and he, he cut inside pretty well to, to, to score that one. And I think the point you made about the crowd, I think on on Thursday night, I think the crowd were a little bit like we've talked about that trepidation there's a lot of that in the in the air and there was a little bit of relief when we went over and scored first but we didn't really capitalize on that 20 minute period where we scored one had a couple more disallowed and then all of a sudden the second 20 minutes it, it seemed to be to lose his time and they scored they got on top and they dominated possession and we just couldn't make good meters whereas it was easy meters for them and you know they scored the first try which led to a second one and then i think the crowd were was sort of riding that 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 scoreboard, if you like, and, and reflective of that. And I think looking forward to Friday, I think whatever happens on the scoreboard as a crowd, we've got to we've got to just completely make the noise, back the boys, etc. However we do it, and not get too hung up on the scoreboard at that time because we've shown that we can, you know, we can win a game from in front, but we've shown also that we can win a game from ten points down, um, you know, not long into the second half. So I think we've got to not give any edginess off from the crowd that we might have. 
whatever that you know goes on and be really positive with the with the noise and create a really strong positive atmosphere for the boys to play in on Friday night. But but yeah, going back to your point around to lose, it it was a, a try that they deserved. Um, I thought they 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 rode that first twenty minutes very well and only come away six down. And for them to then turn it around positively, I think shows credit to them. And I think people who take them as uh, as the whipping boys of the league, I think they've completely disproved that. You look at the number of games that they've, I think they've lost two by the golden point and, you know, they only lost back to us by six and, you know, there'll be a few other games during the season where the six points or less defeats. You turn those results around and all of a sudden it's a different picture for them. Yeah, yeah. And James, we saw, um, you know, one of the plus sides of us having so many injuries over the last few weeks is that uh, we've been able to blood a number of youngsters into the side. Um, I suppose what comes with youngsters and, and players learning the game is um, inexperience and errors. And we saw that, didn't we, with Will Tate and PLT uh, yeah. when they made that mix-up for Daniel Alvaro to, to go in and put Olympic to lose in front. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the kids have got to, they've got to learn sometime and that's probably where they're going to the, the, the pick, pick up the biggest lessons when they do make errors like that. But yeah, I think that that one, that Alvaro try was just was just really unfortunate. I think you, know, you can see what Tate was trying to do. He was trying to trying to kick it out, and he just sort of just sort of basically hit his foot and then ricocheted up into PLT's hands, and he just dropped it. You know? <laughs> it's just just one of those things. Um, and you know, Alvaro was just you know on on the spot. I've seen some comments whether he was actually onside at the time, but obviously the referee didn't, didn't have a decide to go and have a look at that one. Uh, but yeah, but they say, you know, it's a learning experience for them and they've got to learn sometime. And I think I mentioned before that they're probably better off learning in a game, a tense game against something like Toulouse than in a Challenge Cup game against a, a lower championship team. They'll probably learn more in that on that night than they would in a in a romp against, um, you know, a team lower reach of the championship in the cup. Yeah. And what you would say is they've got a fantastic supportive environment around them. You know, I think Danny Maguire, the coaching staff, the club, you know, very much realise that these are young kids and they are learning the game. Um, like you say, it's a, it's a good environment to be learning in. Uh, but that 10 minutes before half-time, Graham, uh, I mean, credit to Rovers. Dan Maguire's already spoke about it, how proud he was of the goal line defence. Um, you know, Rovers really did have to dig dig deep, didn't they? Because you feel like if Toulouse had maybe got one just before half time, it could have been a very different game come the second half. Yeah, it could. And I think that's part of what we've seen over the last few weeks with, with that resilience that we, we've talked about a lot on, on the podcast of where, you know, at times we've, we've watched Rovers long enough. We've, we, we've seen instances like that where they would just fold like a pack of cards and, and where one try comes, three tries come. So whilst we conceded two in the first half, and I, I wasn't too worried by the scoreboard at that time because we'd been we, we'd created three or four good chances ourselves and only executed one properly, and had a couple of you know referee decisions rule rule the others out. So I wasn't worried that we weren't creating stuff, but you could you could very easily see that momentum shift after about twenty minutes, and it was all to lose. And I, I think you're right that that resilience and that doggedness, that that will to stop the ball crossing the line at all costs. I think that that was evident that that was on show and, and you could see them celebrating like they'd scored a try when they'd, they'd actually saved a try or made a tackle or got somebody in touch or whatever it was. And, and I like that in, in terms of celebrating the wins on your own goal line, not just celebrating the tries on the oppositions. 
Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, though, James, Rovers Achilles heel, scoring, uh, conceding a try just after half-time once again. Um, I can't remember the stat that I brought up a couple of podcasts ago about how many tries Rovers have conceded in that first 10 minutes after the second half. Um, Toulouse had five repeat sets close to the line. I mean, credit to Rovers for managing to hang on that for that long to, to repel them, but um, Schumacher goes over from a dummy half pass from Pete's. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, the crowd goes very flat straight after half time. Um, many supporters, though, James, I suppose, getting frustrated with the referee's performance because he certainly wasn't winning any friends in that East End, was he? No, no, he wasn't. I think, you know, that sort of just before Schmalkel scored, you know, he said five, five consecutive sets. And I think, you know, we've got to give him credit, the team, the defence credit for actually holding out for that length of time. And it just seemed it was almost like just. The referee was just wanting to lose to to go over, and I think the, you probably find find it hard to find a team who would be able to to hold out for that sustained level of time that they had to defend within you know ten yards of their own line, and it, it was inevitable. Um, my concern was when they scored and made it sixteen six was you know what has that all taken out of them? Will will they start to see them dropping off? But you know, as Graham sort of mentioned, just just mentioned, there's a lot of resilience in this group now. I think you know, if probably if we'd have gone back, you know, probably pre Danny Maguire taking over, they probably would have folded after at sixteen six. But whatever he's done to that team, you know, he's you know, took full credit to him. They've certainly got that resilience, that doggedness, and determination to 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 get themselves out of a hole really now. Yeah. And then a player who to that who to that moment probably wasn't having his best game in a rover shirt, Graham Rowan Milnes, coming from a, a bit of criticism from certain quarters. Um puts in a fantastic kick over to Ethan Ryan and uh, Air Ryan goes in, flies up into the air and goes in for his seventh try of the season. And it's becoming a bit of a feature of his game now, isn't it, Ethan Ryan, that he's able to to get on to the end of these kicks. And you know, I suppose it's one of them things where you can coach a team how to defend it. But when you're in game and, and that happens, it's very difficult with momentum, body weight, you know, speed, all that kind of stuff to stop. Yeah, I think the, the attacking kick and a good executor of an attacking kick can absolutely make the best defence look, look look amateurish. And I think before I go through that point, I just I want to wind the clock back a minute or so before that, where there was an absolutely pivotal point in the game, in my opinion, where they kicked out on the full just about 50 minutes mm -hmm. or so which led to us getting that that particular set that we, that we scored from. And I think it was evident that you could see that that 10 minutes that Toulouse had put in, they'd put a lot of hard work into getting those those four points on the board after half time. And then that, that gimme, you could almost see them deflate a little bit after that and, and think, right, we're back up against it here. That, for me, was a massive momentum shift. And then when you see the execution of it, Milnes gets the ball in hand and sort of crabs across the field um, for a while, looking for an opportunity, doesn't panic and looks at the options, is directing players with his hand where he wants them to run to try and create diversion, all with the aim of clearing the road for, for an attacking kick that, like you say, Ryan can use his pace and even Matty Russell, as, as quick as he is and having a few metres start on him, couldn't turn around quick enough and, and defend that and Ryan was on top of him and you know scored a good track, still had to be scored. Uh, I don't think it was a gimme, but he, he did really well to score that. I think, you know, credit where it's due for Milnes on that point, because I think we've all been wanting to see more from an attacking perspective from him. And I think in that moment, we saw something really positive that he brought to the table. 
Yeah, and you're right to pinpoint that kick out on the full because I think Toulouse are just their tails were up a little bit. They've got good field position from that kick. You know, Rovers maybe wilting. Um, you know, but hey, I think what what that showed me is, and and you know, it's very much like the Danny Maguire lead side is that when they sniffed an opportunity, when they realised that they're up against it, they took it. And 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 you know, it's it's easy to say, but Ray Mills, like you said, creating that opportunity, getting that kick. You could just feel. I don't know. You know, obviously, I was watching it on holiday, and I'd be fair, but in the ground, you must have been able to feel like the tension just sort of popping a little bit because it was just such a relief for for that to happen. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right there, Chris. I think I think at that particular point when that one went over, they looked deflated, and even though we were still behind on the scoreboard, I was confident that we were on the on the up, and they were on the way down in that particular game. So. Again, that that for me was a really pivotal couple of minutes where the kick went out. We we executed on that, and then that really swung the pendulum back for us. And that, and there was a lot of noise in the ground. Everybody was on the feet because they could see the scoreboard getting closer. We had possession, good possession. We were making good meters forward. So I think everything just sort of went positive after that. After you say that that lull after half time and that ten minute period where, oh no, here we go again, sort of thing was, was the feeling. Yeah, so I think that's why I think it was a really pivotal moment in the game. Yeah, and like you said, Graham, the crowd were up. The the East Town was rocking, and um, they'll have been rocking even more with just eight minutes to go. Lytton makes that fantastic break. Um, he offloads from Inchella, who knocks it back to Kenny Dowell. Somehow, Kenny Dowell manages mm-hmm. to get around four to those defenders. He manages to stay upright for long enough just to get the offload to Frankie Holton, who barges over. Milnes gets the two points, and all of a sudden, you know, we talk about the tension lifting and and that bubble bursting kind of thing. Well, wow, that was that was an explosion, wasn't it? Of because also it wasn't just an important try; it was the manner it was scored in. Yeah, it, it, it was one of those instances where they just didn't give up. You know, there was, it was. I think it would have been very easy. I think was it Mincello who got got the picks up that loose ball. It would have been very easy for them to to panic. But you know, they kept their heads. There was a whole hurry of flurry defenders going around. Minichella managed to get the ball out to to Kenny Dowell and then onto Halton. He took some scoring, but you know, I, I think then it just sort of. I think that was probably you know another thing that probably just took all the wind out of Toulouse's sails, you know, thinking they'd put all that pressure on us at the start of the second half. They'd seen us come up field on the back of a mistake from them, scored a try. The thought, you know, we're still because it'll hold out, but then all of a sudden the back level, and it's just you know thinking. We can we can win this now. We can win this because they they I think they're gone. They're out, they were out on the feet. So yeah, I think were. you're absolutely right, James. And I think if you wind the, the play back, Chris, I think that break from from SKD to to kickstart it started in our own sort of forty mm-hmm. meter line somewhere around there. It, it bashed through and he, he offloaded to Lytton, who, who carried on the break to Minchella, etc. And like you say, when when you saw the actual try scored, you look at the number of Toulouse bodies just scattered all over the place and they looked downbeat after that. They looked mm. they looked like a team that knew what was coming next, even though there were only five minutes to go. They, they knew that they were going to be really up against it. Mm. Yeah, and if you go back to the five changes from the Wigan game, Sean Cadell, Corbin Sims, Jimmy Carnos, Frank Holton and Matty Stoughton, I suppose it's that experience in them mm. moments when you can sniff the chance that's when you need your Kenny Dowells, you know, yeah. your Corbin Sims, Jimmy Carroll, Frank Hill, whoever, you know, because they're the ones who, who can lead you. And like you say, that drive out from Kenny Dowell, he's almost taking the team with him, isn't he? He's taking yeah. them with him. Jez Litton goes up and does it. You know, it's a fantastic try. And, you know, Toulouse 
don't help themselves. Like you said, they look out on the feet, they knock on, not far from the sticks. The resulting scrum result, results in Roy Mills going in for a try. I mean, you don't see many tries scored from a scrum, do you? But it, it probably mm-hmm. that that showcases how how knackered Toulouse was. But I think the credit should really go to Rovers for sticking in in the mm-hmm. game and not giving up. Because like we said, the key moments in the game where Toulouse could have scored, Rovers didn't roll over. And and Graham, to be fair, you know, as 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 dogged as it was, as pretty as it wasn't, you know, we're not in the business of, um, you don't get extra points for glorious sparkling performances. You still get two points and, and with the injury record we've had, that this could be one of the most important two points of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think just on that that last try, I think I think Phil Clark makes a decent point about when you listen to whether love him or love him. But I think he makes a decent point about how we underestimate the, the importance of a scrum player and the, the scoring opportunity it can bring. So it, it ties a lot of players up and creates a lot of space across the field. So if you look at the way we lined up on that on for that try, the, the ball comes out the scrum and gets in Lytton's hands first. It goes to Parcel, who draws a couple of players in with a with a with a fake pass and then lets it go again and then it goes on to, to Milnes from a walk in and it, it's made to look easy but actually when you look at the analytics of it, it it's a really well constructed try why, what is Ron Mills doing out on the wing mm. why why is he there you know yeah. that that for me was a was a set training ground move that that was executed perfectly for a walk in yeah definitely uh man of the match uh, probably, definitely, 100%. The returning Sean Kenny Dowell. Uh, some stats, 11 tackles, 8 tackle busts, 21 carries, 205 metres, 5 dummy runs, 4 offloads, 2 kicks. Um, not bad Not bad. 80 minutes of rugby league, was it, James? Quite a night for him, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, he was, he was just, uh, he was, he was just absolutely outstanding. And his, he, he just seems to be... You know, growing and growing and growing as a player, you know, as a leader of, of the club, and you know, you can sort of see the rest of the team. Like, like Graham said, he just dragged the whole team with him, and it was just a, just an outstanding performance. And he just is all well, let's do it single handedly once he really, but yeah, totally. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. I was just going to say as well, as, as fantastic as SKD was, it was sort of head and shoulders above everybody else on the pitch in terms of his, his quality. I think I want to pay credit to, to Jez Lytton's performance as well, mm. because it was is into the halves. Um, not somewhere where we normally see him. We normally see him spelling with, with Parcel at, at Hooker. But I think if you look at the first try we scored, it, he made the initial break, you know, a few a few tackles before that got us going upfield. He was on the shoulder as um, SKD went through to then play with, you know, Minchella to, to, to get that third try. And then he got his hand, ball, his hand on the ball as well from that set play scrum at the, 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 for the fourth try, that the, the ultimate one that, that won it. So I think his overall performance shouldn't go unnoticed as well in terms of whilst he wasn't spectacular like SKD was, I think that's overshadowed some of the, the great work that, that Lytton did on the field on the night. Yeah, and he's definitely someone who's benefiting from more game time on the pitch, isn't he? Um, yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. James, of course, a bit more... A couple more injuries in the game. Um, PLT and Sam Wood going down. Uh, you know, we don't do it the easy way, do we? We don't, no. Um, I was, I was, must admit, I was surprised I'd kept uh, PLT on for so long because it, it was clearly struggling. Um, and I'm probably a bit surprised that Toulouse didn't try and exploit that more as more than they actually did. Um, 
I mean, he, you know, give give the lad a you know, credit. He actually, you know, he tried to he tried to run it off, and I think that, again that just epitomises probably the whole character within the team that you know they just don't want to give in, they just want to carry on and do it, whatever it whatever it takes. Yeah, you know, Sam Wood again. I thought you know he had a good game, but he'd say he just looked, seemed like a, a, a sort of a pretty yeah uh, stinger to his shoulder really. So hopefully, I mean he's in the squad in for Leeds, so hopefully he's um, he'll be able to he'll come through. There's been I think there's, I don't think there's anything in the club bulletins about him being a doubt, but then we don't know until the uh, the announcer seventeen, do we? <laughs> no, no. So yeah, he's definitely in which and with the, them injuries that I mentioned was. Uh, you know, probably behind my poorly worded social media post about Zach Fishwick in that. Um, did Danny Maguire get it wrong? Did he get it wrong in respect of should we have seen him on more? Because I certainly wanted to see him on mm. the pitch. I think he's been fantastic in the, the time mm. we've seen him so far. Um, yeah. He didn't get much game time when considering the injuries that we had and, and the way the game was going. Um, so it won't, no way was it a criticism of Zach Fishwick and did he, was it wrong to play him? It was an almost say, uh, uh, Danny Maguire, did he get it wrong by not putting him on? Mm. Obviously, the result is the result. We got the two points, so what do I know? Um, Danny Maguire probably got it right, Graham. Yeah, yeah you're right. I, I don't think we can argue with, the, you know, we've got the result. Um, in his overall development, it's another 10 minutes or so under his belt of experience in a tight game. He, he maybe was given a specific job to do within that 10-minute period um, that we, you know, we are party to. So it may have been that, look, actually, Sims was having a, a really solid game as well. Maha was playing well. King was playing well. Can we, you know, do we need to, to, to really shore it up with the experience first and foremost? Possibly. But you could argue that, well, in, actually, in the last 10 minutes, we were losing, sent him on, and we actually won the game. So I'm not saying he was the reason we won it. But, again, we've got to trust the, the coaches and, and Maguire of, of what they're doing with players and why they, they make certain decisions in-game at certain times. It could be tactical, it could be fitness, injury-related, but it was a nice card to have up the sleeve for that last 10-minute push of a fresh player coming on. And whilst he didn't have ball in hand a lot, he, he would have probably done a lot of unseen work that, that helped the team collectively. Yeah, and James, while you, know, you might have people like me clamouring to... Have players like Zach Fishwick getting more game time. You know, we do sometimes forget he's only 17. You know, he might have the body of a 27-year-old, but he's he's only 17. And it's important that these players are managed. I wish I looked like that at 27. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we do yeah. need to manage them, don't we? And we need to be respectful of the fact that, you know, we can't just chuck them in 80 minutes every game. That They do need to be managed. We do. And I think I think it's probably a testament to, uh, to Zach that, he hasn't looked out of place at all in all the games he's played. Um, and, you know, we're talking now as though he's like a, you know, he's like, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, as a player who's got, you know, bags of experience. When, like I say, he hasn't, he's 17. He's probably played about four or five games coming off the bench. He's done fantastically well in all of those. But, you know, we, I was surprised when, when he wasn't on earlier as well, on, 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 Thursday, on uh, Thursday night. Um, but you say, at the, at the end of the day, we won. So you could sort of say, well, actually, the Maguire's tactics you know, justify, you know, the means justified it. And as I said, I think you know, replied to you, Chris, on the on the tweet. You know, I think you, know, you, you look at the forwards that Toulouse have got. They've got some quite, shall we say, more senior forwards. And you've got you know Hanson, who's mid thirties. You got uh, Navarrete, who's knocking on a bit. You've got uh, Alvaro. You know, even though they've got the experience, the legs are getting younger. It's a hot night. They've been running around. You know, we've already said how they were out on their feet with the you know with the like quarter. 
quarter of an hour to go. And to bring a young 17-year-old who wants to, you know, look into Buster Gut and you know, show his worth, you know, that's probably the that was probably the work there to lose his worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah. But hey ho, yeah, and we move on. Uh oh, before we do move on, actually, um, we're talking about experienced players, Sean Kenny Dowell, George King also them both named in the Super League team of the week. Uh, George King, you know, we're talking about experience, leadership, etc. Um, you know, he's a he's a fantastic player, isn't he? And he's definitely going to be up there at the end of the season uh, in the Player of the Year awards. So it's going to be fantastic to see where he ends up. But I mean, some stats from the night: thirty-six tackles, ten carries, ninety-five meters, uh, two offloads. You know, Graham George King, um, probably if not the first, one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, definitely up there with SKD as the first names on the team sheet at the minute. I think he's, he's consistently seven or eight out of ten every single week. Never seems to have a bad game. Um, and he's exactly what, what, what we needed. I think probably a few people might have raised an eyebrow at the beginning of the season when, when he was signed for us. Um, but he's absolutely the sort of grafter that we need in, well, every team needs in, in, their, uh, in their club. Not, not spectacular by any means, but does the really simple stuff really really well and can go for for big minutes which which is really useful as well when you see some of the forwards who play in his position just doing 10-15 minute stints George can really do big big numbers in terms of uh, of shifts and again my fear is that we, we rely on him too heavily especially when we've had the injuries or bands like we seem to be picking up left right and centre for the forwards so again without wanting to burn him out some some help for him would be useful to make sure that we can get that that uh, rotation of props right, so that we're not reliant totally and gas him out, and then he's, he's no use to us on the field whatsoever, and we just get steamrolled through the middle. Mm. Yeah, and of, of course, Jesse Sue incoming. Hopefully, he's going to aid um, his development and game time, etc. Totally different players, I suspect, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out next season. But uh, our victory for Toulouse puts us in a great position going into our game against Leeds on Friday night um, under the floodlights on Sky Sports. It's surely uh, going to be a, a humdinger. Leeds Rhinos are, are bang on form. They've uh, become resurgent under Rowan Smith. And to help us preview the game is Eddie from the Lot Pod podcast. Uh, Eddie, thanks for joining us. Evening, Eddie. Evening, all. Great. I think the last time we spoke to you, Eddie, um, I'm sure <laughs> had Ryan Smith just been appointed? Um, no, was, we had Agar. Was um, it Agar still? We had Agar still. I think Smith, had he just been appointed but not here yet? Something yeah, I like think that. it was that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what happened. Or JJ, um, yeah. yeah, something like that, yeah. And then I think he just signed Zach Hardacre as well. Um, we did. Doom and gloom. Um, he was telling oh. us how much. Rovers were going to beat Leeds, etc., etc. I, I did, and then we turn up on the uh, on the night, and we get turned over by Leeds, in which was probably one of, if not the worst performances of the season. Um, mm. <laughs> so, Eddie, I was just saying, hopefully, you're not the kiss of death. Um, and hopefully, I am. <laughs> yeah, well, for you, yeah, yeah. But no, I'll t- tell you what. Two questions. Obviously, uh, what's changed since then? Because obviously, prior to that, you know, resulted in Agar. Uh, departing from his job and and um, obviously did you expect to see that change in form? What's changed since then? Rowan Smith, that's it. Yeah. I mean, he won't first choice though, is he? By a lot of Leeds fans, no. And even 
if a Leeds fan says to you that they were happy, you know, or impressed when we signed Rollsmith, I, I, I think they're lying. The majority of Leeds fans kind of, when it was announced, it was more like, who? You know, we don't know who this guy is or his pedigree, a bit of time at Bradford, but he's been the change. And to be honest, looking at the squad we have and had under Agar, I was kind of thinking, regardless of getting rid of Agar and bringing someone new in, I was under the illusion, what could they do with these players because they're, they're, they're crap? That's how I felt. Or the majority of them were crap. So for Rowan Smith to come in and kind of turn our form around and got us playing like he can't, like we have been, is testament to him to him because it's not not his squad yet. I know we've got a lot of players leaving, and Liam Sutcliffe were confirmed to be leaving yesterday, and we don't know what's going on with Dwyer and Hardacre and loads off contract. So it'll be interesting to see what Rowan can do when he's brought his own kind of moulded his own team. I know it's going to take time, but it's been really, really impressive what we've seen from Ronald Smith in the short period of time he's been here. You're on mute, John. Since that uh, 12-0 victory over the Robins, is it seven mm. victories out of 11? So it's yeah. a massive change in form. Um, who would have been the standout players during that period? Reese Martin, who you'll lot will be glad to hear is banned. But... Um, yeah, Reece Martin has been our player of the year. Harry Newman since he came back, uh, especially against Wigan, played like a man possessed, just absolutely phenomenal. And I'm, I've got friends who are Cast fans and Wakey fans, and they see him on Sky and they kind of say he just stands out an absolute mile, that kid. Oledski has been our only consistent prop all year. So he's literally been our pack. You know, we've had James Donaldson playing in there. Um, Bodine Thompson playing in the pack. Um, so those, they've been the real standouts. To be honest, I'm not a Zach Hardacre fan. Things he's doing off the field. I don't want us to sign him permanently after this year. But on the field, you cannot fault him at all. You know, he's, he's an awesome player, but he will blow up. So to me, as a Leeds fan, I'd, I'd prefer to just shake hands with him at the end of the year and say, you know, adios, you've, you've helped us, we've helped you. But those under Smith have been the catalyst, really, of this upturn in form. Yeah, and we're going to go into detail about the uh, lead squad shortly, but we'll just announce who's been named in the Rovers squad. Um, Harvey Moore and Corbin Sims drop out of the squad, while Kane Lynette, mm. Ryan Hall and Mikey Lewis all come back into contention for Friday. Mm. Um, obviously, a, a huge... Yeah. Uh, return, Kane Lynette coming back in uh, after he suffered a bicep tear and I went yeah. over Wakefield back in April. Uh, Lachlan Coote misses out. Um, he passed his HII test but failed his return to play. Um, so he's been monitored and he's expected to feature next week. Um, so Rovers line up like this, Ben Crook, Sean Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall, Matty Parcell, George King, Kane Lynette, Matty Stoughton, Jez Litton, Elliot Minchella, Jimmy Kinehorse, Mikey Lewis, Ryan Milnes, Will Marr, Ethan Ryan, Sam Wood, Greg Richards, Frank Holton, uh, Will Tate, PLT, Zach Fishwick and Connor Barley. Uh, James, I'll just come to you first. Um, a huge loss, isn't it, Lachlan Coo? I think we all expected to see him feature uh, against Leeds Rhinos and um, we've just been Good talking player. about the lose game and, and mm. how important it is to get experienced players back. <clears throat> you know, if you fit Lachlan Coo into that side, 
you know, it, it brings a huge amount of experience and yeah. quality as well. It, it, it does, and I think, you know, I think that was the biggest surprise when I saw the squad announced today, I think, you know, because I think Maguire had mentioned in the uh, press conference that he was going to play, just had one more test to do, and I think it didn't seem to be, you know, too bad an injury, if you know, if you're on a sort of scale. Um, so we, I think there's all expectation he's going to be back, but yeah, I think he will be a big loss um, on, on Friday night. Yeah, he's going to be a huge loss, but obviously it opens the door now. We've got options, haven't we? We've got potentially uh, Young Phoenix, whether he comes back in at full-back, uh, potentially Ben Crooks, uh, Will Tate. Um, obviously, Sean Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall, Kane Lynette all look to be united on that left edge, which frees up some some spaces elsewhere. Um, Ryan Hall, Graham and Kane Lynette coming back into that left edge is going to be a huge boost for the Robins, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think we've talked week after week after week on this podcast around the benefit of Ryan Hall and what he brings to us in terms of, right. I'm sure Eddie will, will, will allude to this as well, what he brings to us certainly out of that backfield yeah. and tackle one, tackle two, clearing our lines and the strength and power that he can bring to that and, and cause you know cause issues for opposition defences. So we, we've missed that uh, hugely. So it'll be fantastic to have to have Hawley back as well. And like you say, that, that, left, that left trio of uh, Hall, SKD and Kane Lynette has been potent for us over the, over the last sort of two seasons or so. Um, whether you know whether Lynette's going to come straight back in firing like SKD did after a, a short layoff, obviously Lynette's been out for a lot longer with his bicep tear. Whether he can come in and, and hit the ground running, whether he's going to you know need a bit of time to get back up to full speed or not. But it'd be good to see that, that left edge Firing and, and and being solid again. Yeah, definitely. And um, I suppose Eddie, good news possibly for you. One player who's named back in the squad who could feature but might not feature is Mikey Lewis um, at the uh, Rover Supporters Group Awards evening on on Monday. He was interviewed and um, he's back full training, but basically the monitoring is his ankle. Obviously, he had a, he suffered a serious injury with that, um, and they spoke about all those no rush to bring him back into the team. Because, Eddie, if you bring Michael Lewis into there, it changes our dynamic totally. It frees up Jez Litton to then go back to play yeah. that booker, you know. So it changes the whole dynamic. And that's what's going to be really intriguing about Friday night with these returning players is mm. how we line up because um, we're starting to put more round pegs in round holes rather than yeah. you know, small pegs. And, and um, for me, that gives me a lot of confidence going into the game. And it gives me a lot of confidence when I see Aidan Caesar, Reese Martin, uh, David F uh, Fusatua, Matty Pryor, Cruz Lehman, James Donaldson all missing. You know, they must have been big players so far uh, during this current run you run. Yeah. As I say, Reese Martin being a player of the year. Fusatua, banging form. Aidan Caesar, banging form. Prior to Cruz getting his injury, he was, again, one of our mainstays this year. So it's, it's just, it's Leeds at the moment. It's, we kind of get one back from a ban. And then another gets banned. It's just that consistency. But it's definitely picked up in terms of our disciplinary because prior to Rowan coming in, our discipline were diabolical. I know Tavano got five games at Saints. That's one been the only real real serious one. The other, others have been a bit... Well, to be, to be honest, Eddie, I've, I've noticed James Bentley's in the squad. Um, and he's not one who's normally copped a ban at some point, any this season. Rowan, Rowan definitely got hold of him and kind of said, look... Yeah. You, you, it has to stop. 
because I said on our podcast he was playing like a moron. He was no, no, in my opinion, no, no doubt about it. He was. Um, Smith obviously spoke to him and said, "Look, this is the James Bentley now that he's molded that we thought we were getting from Saints. You know, he's leading the defense. He's makes shed loads of tackles. His desire, his commitment with him being a local Leeds lad as well. It's kind of like Smith said to him, look." These are your people. You used to stand in that south stand. So show them who you are and what you've got. And prior to Smith, he was a completely different player. But like one of those where when we made the signing from Saints, everyone was saying, what a, what a pickup that is. And then when he put him in a blue and amber shirt and was like, who's that? They've sold us a dud. <laughs> They've sold us Jim Bentley or something. They sent the wrong one. But um, yeah, he's been banging form. And um, all credit to him, he's turned his season around. Yeah, fantastic. And um, only, only a 19-man squad um, for Friday night. Um, mm. I mean, I was surprised when he signed, um, was it UC Fadden from Wakefield on loan? Um, yeah. You know, Leeds famed for its sort of conveyor belt of, of young talent. And, mm. you know, you only have to look at some of the players who are playing at other clubs now to see, you know, how that talent's mm. come through. But was you was you surprised that, hey, you've got a 19-man squad and, and there may be... Um, or have you maybe used all the young players who, who you could play this season? I think so. We, we kind of th- thrown in a couple of, of kids this year, like 17, you know, they are kids. We, we did it at Toulouse when we're down to the bare bones there. And then um, Sinfield played and Maxims and a few others, Corey Johnson and the like. But it's, I still, I feel like with that Yusuf Aiden signing, even though we were down to the bare bones at Toulouse and the weather and everything in, into account, Rowan Smith chose not to play him. I don't know why. He was there. It was just our water carrier. And then he played the he played the following week against Wigan and played pretty well, to be honest. And Leeds fans were like, wow, it looks like there's a player there. And then I think at the following day, so now he's going back to Wakefield. It's like, we get one in. He could have played two for us and ends up playing one and then we send him back anyway. But I think our squad still needs some quite major surgery as I said earlier there's a lot of players who are leaving you know uh, Briscoe Dwyer Mella already gone Broadbent's gone Bodine Thompson Mustafa we don't know what's happening with Jack Walker we don't know what's happening with Hardacre so there's still so much up in the air for next year and um, in terms of recruitment it does look like Rowan's got a hand on that because the recruitment for this year we've been rumoured to be linked with Young championship players and lower league players. That's not the that's not been the Leeds way recently. So it does feel like Smith's kind of said, if I am taking this Leeds job, I want control of who that I'm gonna mould this squad into. That sounds more like Tony Smith than Ryan Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very similar, especially in in the way that we've been playing, you know, seeing that you're listening to yourself, but when Tony Smith first came in, that free-flowing, offloading game and just constantly keeping the ball alive. That seems to be the backbone of Rowan as well. I don't think they are. I think they're just clearly working in tandem, them two. So is that the style of rugby league we could, uh, Rovers fans could expect to see on? Oh, you, you'll, you'll definitely see it. It's been, it's been the way Leeds have attacked. Even you get these, Leeds have started releasing these behind-the-scenes videos after games on YouTube and you kind of give you little, little bits for behind-the-scenes and um, it'll give you a little couple of clips in team meetings. And the theme has been run like, to keep it alive. 
the best way to defend is attack. Let's keep attacking and attacking. And it's been miraculous because there's been games this year, like that Wigan game when we were, you know, we didn't have any halfbacks and we'd just been beaten to lose. It's short turnaround, you know, back at Edley under a Wigan side who just battered, I think it were Hull. Um, Leeds fans, they were thinking, we have no chance. And yet, because of that attacking style that uh, Ronald Smith brought in, we, we ended up battering them and everyone were like, eh, how's that happened? And then off the back of that, at Catalan and then Salford. But it's it's been good to see whether we can keep it up with the squad and the ban and bands and the injuries. I know everyone does. Everyone's got this. Whether we can keep that that style up. But Smith's kind of said after the Salford game that the Wigan win, the Catalan win, and now the Salford win were all three different types of wins. If that makes sense. Like we battered Wigan, we went toe to toe with Catalan. And in, in in a sense, went toe to toe with Salford because they put a lot of pressure on us, and especially in the second half, we, we defended a lot. So it were like three different types of wins, and he he seemed pleased with it, and us as fans are obviously pleased with it because we seem to be hitting some decent form at the moment. Yeah, and Eddie, you know, Friday night for me, it seems like a huge game, uh, probably more so for Rovers. You know, I think we we desperately yeah. need that win mm, to big game amongst the pack. I think Leeds could possibly lose it and still still be within there and, and, and it not affect them too much. But mm. um, I wonder from Leeds fans, like what the feeling is coming over to Craven Park, whether whether there's an expectation to get a victory or whether you're really just travelling in hope, like we said, on the back of the uh, suspensions and injuries. Yeah, I was going to say, it, had we not had these suspensions, um, I think Leeds fans would have been confident off the back of the Wigan, Catalan, Salford win. But now with these and being patched up and... I think Blake Austin's in the side now. He hasn't played for around a month. He'll be a bit rusty, and we're going to have probably Liam Tyndall on the wing and Reese Martin's an incredible goal kicker. So I'm not sure he's going to be kicking the goals for us. I think it probably be hardache. So again, we are quite patched up, but I do with our attacking style, like I mentioned, I do fancy us to go toe to toe. Yeah, but whether we can come away with something, I don't know because it sounds like you 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 guys have got some decent players back and Hulk Hardaway is always a tough game for anyone really. Yeah, although I think our recent record against Leeds in, in all games is I think we've only got two victories out of our last 11. Um, so we haven't been doing too well against <laughs> Leeds anyway. Um, but I think there's a reason Sky you've picked this game. Uh, oh, to, me too, yeah. I think you've got the, the Danny McGuire element as well, that kind of... Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder how many crazy. times that'll get mentioned, let alone the fact that Ryan Hall also <laughs> played for Leeds. <laughs> Jimmy, how yeah. have you um just to nip in? Sorry, how have you found Danny? I, I love Danny Maguire. I, I think I said it before, but I think he's the best person that's ever lived. How have you found Danny's small? And has well, been Graham, I'll let you answer that. Well, I think he's sort of slowly elevating himself in in his total to godlike status, Eddie. If, if mm-hmm. um, from from the way that he's he's sort of conducting himself, uh, in all seriousness, I, I think he's an absolutely fantastic player in the past um but as a person as well every time he's interviewed or the comments he make yeah. makes are very down to earth grounded comments i think he's a genuine genuine person that that loves the game of rugby league mm. um and it was interesting to read this week that that even though he's had you know some fantastic years with the rhinos from his playing career he, he said himself that he's not got a lot of connectivity with with anything to do with Leeds nowadays, all the players that he used to play with have left, and the coaching staff has moved on, etc. Yeah. So now he's he's feeling that affinity as and, and passion 
that he used to have as a player for Rhinos uh, for, for us in, in the east of the city, which is fantastic to hear as as, mm-hmm. as, as fans because we know we know what a legend he is in the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've got a couple of young halfbacks there that if they can't learn from Danny Maguire along their journey in terms of Jordan Abdul, Ron Mills, Mikey Lewis, mm-hmm. come on, lads, you've got the best in the game that, that's, you know, that's yeah. played the game for a long while to, to learn from. You, you cannot have it on a player any better for you. So, so I think we're personally. I feel really honoured that he's he's working with our players, with our group, and like you said there, Eddie, around the the change that's happened since Agar to to Smith. I think we've noticed a change from Smith to to Maguire as well in the style of play, mm-hmm. the 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 attitude of of players as well. There's a certain resilience creeping into our game that we didn't have, and we've got a bit of a, a backbone to us now. And when the chips are down, we don't automatically, you know, fold like we have done in the past. So I think he's bringing some different mentality to to, to players as well. Mm-hmm. So I think for us, that's my overriding impression of him being involved with the club as a, a player for a couple of seasons and, a, and a, as a coach for the last twelve months or so, and now taking the helm for the last four or five games or so. I think it's been a really good piece of business for him to get him on a long term deal as a, as a as an assistant in the future. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I felt I felt that when when Tony Smith left and, and Danny stayed at that moment, I thought he he's all in over there. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's obviously settled and he's, he's bought into everything. And the fact he stayed and then became interim, I knew at that moment I thought no, he's so there were a little link with him coming back to us at that time. But once once he were he stayed, I thought no, he's he's really bought into the place over there. It's good to see. Yeah, and I think for me, what I've noticed with him is almost. Whether psychologically or not, he's he's boxed that time off at Leeds, and he's he, yeah. I, I watched yeah. a press conference with him yesterday, um, and there was I think there was four national journalists, and every question was about Leeds, about yeah. his family, about everything, and it was almost like he was embarrassed to talk about it. Yeah, it's because the like, over it, yeah, yeah. Like Graham said, that he's he's almost he's sort of his balls deep in Rovers. Mm. He's fully invested. He's he's got he's gonna. Not, I was paraphrasing you then, Graham. Not quite. Not quoting. Yeah, I, I, was, I didn't quote quite that explicit, but yeah. I can't get that image out of my head now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also it's interesting as well. Uh, Ryan Hall, isn't it? You know, a, a player who, yeah, um, you know, champion, absolute champion, famous probably as Danny Maguire. You know, yeah, you know, part of that generation. So it's really interesting to see how they come over to Rovers and I think part of why we brought people like that in and why Tony Smith brought people like that in is because the winners, the professionalism, Absolutely, yeah. the, the whole culture, yeah, yeah. what they're used to and I mm. think credit to them because it didn't quite work with Jamie Peacock when we brought yeah. him over to Rovers, that didn't quite work yeah. out um, but credit to them, they've, they've been able to come over, bring all that with them and then also yeah. adopt into sort of the Rovers way and, and get into the Rovers way of life so it's it's fantastic um, what they've managed to do. So, if we look at Friday's game, Eddie, your prediction? I, I, I do think it'll be close. I'm happy if we can nick it by you know, two two or four. I'd be happy if we get anything to be honest. But yeah, leads by two, I'll say. Yeah. What about you, James? Are you, are you feeling confident? Are you in that, you know, could go either way camp? Oh, it, it could go either way. I th- I'm going to go, I think, for a Rovers win by four. It's going to be a very squeaky bum, I think. I agree. What about you, Graham? Yeah, I think I'm with the gents here. I think it's going to be a close one. The thing I like a lot about the Leeds games is th- there's a proper atmosphere because Leeds mm. bring 
yeah. a decent following with them, uh, whether mm. it be a Sunday afternoon, a Friday evening, under the lights. I think there'll be a good a good crowd to make a good atmosphere. And I think we, as, as home fans, will feed off the away fans' atmosphere as well. And, yeah. and that will help create a proper atmosphere at the game. Mm. Hopefully the game lives up to that and, you know, we come out on top. And I think, look, just because Leeds have only named 19 men, it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything because they're still going to send 17 blokes out there with a plan to turn us over. So we've got to we've got to be on our game. And I think if we are, we can get our strong player, you know, our senior players back and playing and show the same desire and commitment. I think we can squeak it by six again. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm quietly confident. Well, not quietly, I'm quite confident. I think it's going to be mm. one of them great nights at Craven Park under the lights. You know, the reason why Sky like coming over to Craven Park and, and yeah. Bringing the cameras, etc. I, I think it's. I think Danny Maguire's got the boys buzzing a bit. I think the returning players just add so much depth and, and quality to us. I think we've got a really fast running game, probably similar to Leeds at the moment, Eddie. In that, mm. you know, when our tails are up and we get a sniff, we can really go for it. Um, mm. The only probably caveat to that is if when things go maybe slightly wrong, they can go really wrong. But the Toulouse mm. game, you know, our last victory yeah. was was great evidence of how. Actually, when the chips are down, we can still grind out results. So, mm. no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think Leeds have been doing discounted coach travel as well, haven't they? So, there probably yeah. will be good. You know, maybe a thousand Leeds fans there, which will be fantastic. Yeah, mm. uh, because you know, one thing we seem to struggle with is away fans at Rovers for whatever reason. Um, so it'd be great to have a good atmosphere. The sun should be shining. Um, mm. You know, it's promising to be a, a cracking night of rugby league. Um, I suppose, Eddie, just before you before we uh, let you go, is that I wonder, uh, as an opposition fan and someone who's obviously, you know, lead Rhinos through and through, sort of how the perception of Hull Kingston Rovers might have changed over the last few years, obviously the Tony Smith era and, and you know, what we're trying to do, you know, the signings we're announcing, Tom Opacek was the latest one today. And, yeah, today, yeah. You know, it'd be just interesting to get your perspective on on a, an outsider's perspective on Hull Kingston Rovers at the moment. I think there's... As a Leeds fan, there's a lot of lead. There's a lot of connections to Leeds there, like you've mentioned. There's Jimmy Kiner, Elliot Minchella, Ryan Hall, Danny Maguire, players that we Delaney. absolutely love. And we've also got that. Well, me personally, I've never had any dislike towards Rovers at all because we've kind of got that mutual hatred for everything black and white. So to me, it's always been <laughs> like, you know, what's the saying? You know, enemy of an enemy is a friend type, type thing. So I've never. You know, I can't stand Castleford. You know, any other sides, I don't really, I really dislike. But when it comes to KR, I've never had an issue. Um, I think it's one of the best away days. Can't remember if it was James or Graham. Sorry, who said? You know, I think it was Graham. Sorry, who said? You know, the away fans and the the home fans they feed off each other. I've had loads of good away days at KR. I don't know why you're struggling to get away fans there. It's one of the best atmospheres in. It leaves better than Edinburgh, and um. Again, that there's a reason Sky have chose this game. You know, it's kind of it's, the Danny Maguire element, of course, but then the two teams do play good rugby. The signings you've made, I think, are impressive. I'd be impressed if if we signed them. Um, I'm not sure about your coach. I don't know much about him, but that doesn't mean anything because I didn't know anything about Ron Smith, so that just <laughs> doesn't mean nothing. Um, yeah, for, quite... Quite keen on you. I don't dislike you, but I don't um, love you. But yeah, I've got a soft spot for Rovers, especially with Danny being there. You know, he's like my idol. <laughs> yeah. 
It's funny though. Point, so, sorry, John. I think just at that point you made Eddie about the the coach. You don't know much about him, but reading one of the reports this week from Frankie Halton, he he says that the the, the players have had regular conversation with Peters. Oh well, already. Already, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Uh, not coming in, so so he's he's sort of casting an eye over all the games that are going on currently. Yeah. He's, he's on the text message and you know the trading messages with with the coaching staff and, and mm. the players. So that that effect that's that's going on now, whilst Maguire's at the helm as the interim, I think they're putting it down to a little bit of the Peters effect as well of having a little yeah. bit of influence. Mm. Sounds that way. Mm. Yeah, and of course none of, none of that would have been possible with Tony Smith still in the camp. You know, so no. obviously the the removal of him as head coach is that became untenable. He had to go. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. he had to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, Eddie, it's been fantastic. Really appreciate your, your insight into Leeds. And like we said, we hope it's a fantastic evening on Friday. And of course, we Me hope too. we always win. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, thanks for joining us, Eddie. And, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care, everybody. Yeah, just while we stay on that Leeds game, uh, one player who's, um, you know, some, some supporters will say is playing for a contract. He's playing for a new move. Uh, some people say, well, actually, he's just been given a chance now and for whatever reason, him and Tony Smith didn't see eye to eye. But Corbin Sims has been uh, pretty impressive over the last few weeks. Um, disappointing to see now though, that he's caught a ban uh, and he's going to be missing uh, on Friday night. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I think we said last time, didn't we, that he's, um, since Smith's gone, there's something just cl- has clearly happened between the two of them and he's, since he's gone, he's... It's been a complete revelation, and I'd say, yeah, you could always argue he's he's playing for a contract, but I think he's going to probably go back to Australia at the end of the season. I think so. Somewhere said he'd you know probably retire. You know, obviously his family's up back back in Oz. You know, that's going to be a big draw for him, and so the pressure's maybe off him as well. And the fact that Tony Smith isn't there, and that negativity that perhaps surrounded them has gone as well. And he's, I think, he's probably showing to be the type of player that we thought he was going to be, but unfortunately, he's copped another. Cops another ban. Yeah, very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I mean, um, if anyone who's been fortunate or unfortunate enough to actually see the incident, uh, seems um, as opposed to the letter of the law, you could maybe mm. say he deserves it. I mean, in the spirit of discipline, I don't know whether he deserves it. I think Danny Maguire though said, "Look, you know, he probably deserves it. Is it the right call? Maybe not, but." Um, you know, it's a fr- it's frustrating, nevertheless, that you've got a player who's starting to hit a bit of form, mm. and probably the story of his career at Old Kingston Rovers is just as he's hitting the form, and he becomes the becoming the player you expect him to be. Boom, gone. You don't yeah. see him again, and it's another couple of weeks before he comes. And, and that's that is the biggest frustration. You know, Albert Better missing mm. again. You know, mm. uh, we, we you know when we, do, we get the injury reports, it's a, a calf strain. He should be back next week. Before you know it, he's missing three games, and, and yeah. you know this is where we talk about value for money. And it's nothing personal against them players. You know they're not getting injured deliberately. It's just frustration that we yeah. don't see more of them because as supporters we want to see more of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Graham, uh, big call to make at fullback, I suppose. Um, young Phoenix, do you go with him in, in a big game? Um, we've yeah. got other options now that Ryan Hall, Kenny Dowell, you know they're back in the fold. Yeah, I think obviously Maguire made that call last week with, with PLT um, based on the players that he had available to him. Does he go with that same call given the, you know, the shuffling that no doubt will happen to accommodate people um, 
coming back in, the, the, the senior players that are coming back in, the, the, the Kane Lynette's of this world, and obviously SKD, we, we would see him in again. So, like you say, Crooks came on in the second half and um, played for, for PLT. So, I think it's between those two for that particular role. I don't think either did anything particularly wrong. I thought Crooks looked a little bit more solid than, than PLT. And, and when you sort of see him physically, it, it does look like a 19-year-old kid and he got sort of pushed back a few times but having said that I don't think he did made no horrendous errors with with the you know with the ball or whatever was put his way and like like James said earlier I think they maybe could have exploited him a bit more when he was you know carrying his head like a lame lame horse um in that that period in the first half it was like let's get him off and let's get a fit player on to to, to cover that but I think I think he might go with Crooks. Yeah. I I think he'll go for Crooks only because I don't think he can afford to have a Crooks on the bench again against Leeds. No. So, it's, so I, think, I see it as a, it's a straight shootout between them. You know, obviously you've got the option of Will Tate, potentially. Uh, I was impressed by Will Tate's sort of carry out from back play. I think mm. he brings... I think we've said that every week though, John. I think we've yeah. all said collectively... For the yeah. last six weeks, that Will Tate has been impressing us with is is, is solid, is is physically mm-hmm. quite a strong guy, his carry out's good. So again, it, it could be another one that, that could be thrown mm-hmm. into that number one shirt. And then of course, you know, Mikey Lewis, Willie Watty, you know, if he plays, Jez Litton doesn't then have to play in the halves, James. It frees uh almost changes our game plan a little bit, doesn't it? Because it, it just you know, it gives us a lot more options in attack if Michael Lewis plays. Yeah, it gives you a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. And I was sort of thinking about where I put it. And I'd put, I think he will play Lewis, put Lewis and Mills in the halves, and then allow Lynn to go on the bench and come on and do what he, him, him and Pass will do, do really well. And just, you know, when teams are tiring, carve up, carve up, carve up the openings. Yeah. So it is promising to be uh, a great <laughs> night of rugby league. Before we sign off, uh, Brad Takarangi spoke. I did his uh, did an interview with a Daily Mirror. Uh, I think it'd be uh, um, only fair that we uh, just mention what he said. Um, I think what one of the telling quotes from the article was uh, regarding Neil Hudgel, Tony Smith, and Paul Lakin. Um, they stuck by me, Neil Hudgel, Tony Smith, our coach at the time, and CEO Paul Lakin. They were so good to me, and I wanted to repay them. I'm just filthy that I couldn't do that for them. That was the most disappointing thing. Uh, the reason I found that interesting is because, Graham, a lot of people levelled that situation as, as being the reason why potentially Tony Smith, Paul Lake and etc. had a bit of a fallout. But obviously from, from that, there was all in Brad Takarangi's camp. Um, so you'd assume that there's some other, some other reason, some other fallout behind the scenes. Um, and another point as well, he's still hoping to play this season, albeit mm. if Rovers get in the playoffs. Um his injury rehabilitation is supposed to be going really well and he's still hoping to play for the Cook Islands um, in the World Cup. So, obviously, any game time will be good for him. It'd be, uh, uh, unless we suffer an immense injury crisis and we get in the playoffs, it's going to be a bit of a tall order, isn't it? I think so. And if we've got, you know, looking at what we've seen this season, if we've got a relatively fully fit squad, I'm not quite sure where Takarangi fits into that with, with the players that are playing in form. And to bring him in after such a long layoff and expect him to perform at playoff standards, um, having not been battle hardened as it were for the last few months, I think that's a real ambitious statement that is made there. I'm not saying it can't be done, but like you say, I think it's 
if if things go against us on the injury front again and we're down to bare bones and he's fit and available, then yeah, I think he gets a game. Ordinarily, if we keep this this level of squad availability to us for the next few games, I don't see him fitting into that anywhere. Yeah, what do you reckon, James? I, I don't see how he could, he could get <laughs> he could play anywhere, regardless of uh, what happens. You know, if we get any more injuries, you know, I think he, he didn't deserve a place on form when we did play. So we've not lost anything with him not being in the squad. And I think if he doesn't, we do get the do get some injuries. We have to draft some some. Uh, we need some some bodies in there. I'd rather play kids again, give yeah. them the experience. He's not he's not going to be here next season. There's no benefit to the club for him to then have another game, couple of games just to sort of fill out, fill fill a team out. Give it, you know, give some of the young kids a go. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that ship sailed, hasn't it? But as we all know in sport, you know, who knows. And so, you know, you'd never say never. And finishing on some really good news, um, Tom Opacic has finally confirmed that he's signed for the Robins. Of course, it's been a bit of a, an elephant in the room since Willie Peters announced who he'd signed. Uh, what was that, over a month ago now? Uh, he's been confirmed on a two-year deal, made 76 appearances in the NRL, scoring 24 tries. Um, he's played for the Broncos, North Queensland Cowboys and Parramatta Reels. Um I think, interestingly for me, uh, when he spoke uh, to Hulk KR, he said, I was looking at a few different options here in the NRL. Then Willie made contact and really sold it to me. He wants to do something special at Hulk KR. And I took what he said on board. Um, I suppose what support, uh, really, really pleases me about this signing, Graham, is is the age, um, the physicality of him, the desire. Um yeah. You know, obviously you can read into all the words. There are all the positive words, everything you expect him to say. But this, for me, is a real statement signing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think cutting through all the spin that comes with every signing, and you know, like you say, all the, all the positivity that, that that sits around everything. Twenty seven, I think, is is a big unit um, that that can play centre. And he he said he's coming to 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 win things, and it's that that sort of attitude that. Yeah, everybody says that. I guess when they move to the club, it's what the fans want to hear. But it is—he sounds like, and like you say, read into it what you will. But it sounds like it's a genuine statement that he's making. He's not coming for a payday. He's—he's he's got faith in what Peters is trying to build here, and he wants to be part of that. Which again, as fans, we—we've we, talked on this podcast around. Let's—you know—the proof is in the, the the pudding as it as it comes out. We've we've been burnt in the last round of. Uh, international overseas players that we've had. So let's see what happens. But I'm feeling a lot more confident about this batch that are coming over for, for next season. And hopefully we can get the best out of them rather than just, you know, old players who are coming up to a payday and have just seen Rovers as a bit of a graveyard shift to, to see their days out and taking the money out of us. Uh, I think this is a little bit of a different statement that he's making with, with those comments. Yeah, yeah, it's all good to hear. And... Uh... James, I suppose Willie Peters, he must be the busiest man in the world at the moment because he's I just... say, sort of from what uh, Frankie Halton was saying, he said he's on the phone to all hours and uh, watching all the games and everything, which is great, you know. So it's clearly, you know, he's clearly buying into the club and wants to sort of make his mark, mark straight away. And I think by looking at the type of players he's bringing in, is 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 hopefully going to be delivering on that. And I think, but the great thing is, is it is building that relationship already with you know the coaching staff. 
and and the players that are already at the club and are going to be coming into the club. So hopefully when he lands in, you know, whenever whenever he comes to the UK, we're starting pre-season in, in November, a lot of that sort of bonding and sort of getting to know each other and forming that cohesive team, you know, some of that's already been done. You know, you started that. You started the, the the framework already, and it's then you put it all into into action. So, yeah, it's all looking very positive at the moment. So, yeah, and, and there's no doubt, is a Graham, the um, that often problematic right edge. Although we have looks, you know, a lot more solid this season mm-hmm. in there compared to the season prior. Um, you know, Tom's going to slot straight into there at centre, isn't he? Yeah, you would imagine that he'd be one of the starting centres regularly every, every single week for that. And like you say, bringing some balance to what we've probably had as a bit of a lopsided attack and defence in, in right and left historically. If we can shore up the right and make it as strong as the left has been over the last um, you know, the last couple of seasons with, with that trio that we mentioned previously, if we can create that sort of environment on the opposite side of the pitch, I think we'll I think we'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Um, and of course, uh, it was broke uh, news broke yesterday that Michael Dobson appears to be uh, going to Newcastle, taking over from Willie Peters. Of course, Hull Kingston Rovers legend. Um, Dobson's going to be heavily involved in the youth side. I think he's going to take charge of their reserve grade team. Um, so there's lots of lots of Rovers stuff going on at the moment. Um, and every day there seems to be some news. Of course, we wish Dobson. Um, the best of luck, and of course, who knows? This might be the first steps to a head coach mm-hmm. role somewhere in the future. Uh, maybe one day I might end up in East mm-hmm. as as head coach. Who knows? Um, one thing that I do just want to finish on is the um, Rove Supporters Group uh, Player of the Year Awards evening that they held on Monday night at Craven Park. Fantastic evening. Um, Adge Cutler and the rest of the committee at the RSG deserve a whole host of credit for, for what they achieved, as do the club for supporting it. Um, Paul Lakin was in attendance, as was Danny Maguire and the full playing squad. Um, really fantastic night. The award winners that evening um, were, of course, the players. Great to see people like Pete Lancaster and Sue Thompson get recognition. They got awards for the work that they do uh, as a volunteer and, and uh, at the club supporting the players. Um, the Colin McNichol Player of the Year trophy went to Mikey Lewis, who, of course, also won the Young Player of the Year. The Fans Forum Player of the Year went to Matty Parcell. And then uh, the most amusing Player of the Year, which was chosen by... Uh, Sean Kenny Dowell, uh, I think the rest of the playing squad was uh, Will Maher. Um If you saw his reaction when he received the trophy, um, you wouldn't have said he was the most thrilled <laughs> to see it, uh, to receive it. So he was a man of very few words upon receiving that trophy, probably quite <laughs> rightly. Uh, but no, it was a fantastic evening. Um, and anyone who's listening or watching this, please sign up to the RSG. Pay your membership. It's not a lot of money, but it goes a long way. Um, they're paying for the salary of the uh, welfare officer for the youth system. Uh, we're the only club in Super League that do that uh, and offer that role. Um, and it's heavily supported by the, by the RSG. So the money doesn't go sit in a bank account. It genuinely goes to supporting the club. You can go, just Google the RSG, go on the website, find the social media profiles, sign up, um, and it's very worthwhile doing. Um, and that was a, a fantastic night. Lots of people in attendance. And I suppose, Graham, just before we finish, the RSG supporters, etc. Um, yes, we love rugby league because it's entertainment, but we still have such an important role in keeping this great club going and thriving. Yeah, and I think without the fans and the supporters, the, the club are the clubs aren't anything. It, it's a it's a two way thing, and 
I think certainly with the, 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 the whole history of our club and the connectivity with the working class people of East Hall, I think there's a genuine affinity to that. And when the, the team and the, the, the squad support initiatives like that and, and buy into it, it helps bring that you know that connectivity between the, the, the man on the street or the man in the East Stand or wherever you, you, you take your seat or, or position in the ground with the players and, and that interaction. And I, I think it brings a, a, for me, it's one of those events and, and evenings and, and occasions where you feel part of the club and you are proud to be part of the club and the, you get to, the chance to mix with the players. And, you know, we don't get that in Premier League football or they're, they're too big for all that. But but actually, Rugby League, for me, is about the players and the fans first and foremost. And, and you can genuinely, as a supporter of the game, feel for the players in what they're, you know, what they're trying to achieve. And likewise, they understand how important the club is to us as fans. And, you know, it, it can only strengthen that, that bond, I think, between what we do and, and, and sing and shout on the East Stand and the players on the field and how they perform. Yeah. And I think, um, I know it wasn't planned to be like it was, but the fact it was in the week in the build-up to the, the game on Friday, um, I just felt it was good timing. I think the players got to speak to fans, fans got to engage with the, with the players, you know, tell them how much the club means going in such an important game. So it was a fantastic event. James, Graham, once again, thank you for joining me. Um, it's been another fantastic podcast once again it's gone over the 60 minute mark I'll, I endeavour to get under that but um, like I said there's just so much stuff going on at the moment with the club um, you know how can we not talk about it um, if anyone's listening or watching this and you fancy coming on as a, a on the fan panel particularly any females you know we'd love to get a, a wider cross section of our fan base to uh, gave, giving their opinions and views on all Kingston Rovers. Please just get in touch. You can do it through the social media, DMs, everything. Just get in touch and we'll get you on. Um, that's not to say Graham and James were binning you off or anything like that. Um, it's just, uh, you know. Sounded like it to me, John. Yeah. We set our own splinter group off. Like kid do, yeah. Yeah, well, that brings us to the end of another Red Robin podcast weekly, which is, of course, powered by 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Ties Auto Centre. The playoffs are in reach, and a victory on Friday would keep us amongst the playoff pack. One thing that will definitely help us, though, and help us get over the line is a raucous Craven Park under the floodlights. So be loud and proud and let us back the boys to victory. And remember, live, love, laugh and be happy. (laughs) 